Hey, you're listening to the Dangerous Jobs Podcast. My name is Apollonia Rockwell, and I'll be your host as we dive deep into conversations with business owners, safety experts, and boots on the ground from hazardous work sites around the country to learn what it really takes to make safety achievable in dangerous industries. On this show, we love talking about company culture, total worker safety, and greatness in the workplace. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the True Safety Podcast. We're in a current rebranding to the name Dangerous Jobs here at True Safety. And I have a special guest who's actually perfect for the kickoff of our rebranding. We have Rory Mealy here with us today, who's the director of EHS at BHI. And Rory, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really good. I know we talked offline about uh, you're not feeling the best coming down with the cold. So yep. everyone kind of excuse Rory. He might be coughing. And I, I just got over a sickness too, but... I feel like it's just going around, but I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you, Rory, for a couple different reasons. I'm so excited to one, get into your story and how you got into safety. You know, your experience is far beyond just EHS. And that's really, really exciting to me, but also just your awareness and experience around suicide prevention, mental health. Um, mental health awareness. I think that your perspective can bring so much to the audience. And especially like I was mentioning offline, just getting out of the holidays. And I I actually made a, a post about this not that long ago. It's like right before Christmas. And even though I am all about positivity and um, being uplifting, I also recognize that holidays are not always joyous. For everyone it's not you know it, it can bring a sense of sadness and awareness of um a lot of mental health things around the holidays so I just I don't know just kind of kicking off with that any any thoughts around that um, no I um I just saw a post on my Facebook page uh a new acquaintance of mine who's a fellow military officer um or a prior military officer just took his life and um i mean like super new acquaintance we i don't i don't even know the guy but um he's a brother in the armed forces i'm also in the army national guard i'm also an officer and um seeing his friends honor him and and every single one of them you know i saw you i hugged you we had plans to do something what did i miss and and so people were left wondering like what did i not see yeah. with your deep struggle that you you took your life and there was nothing that, that we could do you know we ha- and we harbor those feelings could i have done more did i cause this yeah did, uh, and and so seeing them one honor him and then every single post if you're dealing with thoughts of wanting to hurt yourself mm-hmm. and take your life please reach out there are people that what we want to help we don't want to see our friends lost our family lost so mm-hmm. um during this time it is hard and and seeing that so fresh right now has been weighing on my on my mind and heart just recently i'm so sorry to hear that and that i'm i'm so sorry and you know i think our conversation expands 
obviously way out of just the EHS world. It's really just the human world, right? And yep. what I'm interested to talk to you about is your experience um, through the, the Army National Guard. I mean, it doesn't matter what title you have, doesn't matter what industry you're in. Us as, as a human force, you know, we're all going through and experiencing these different emotions through the holidays and not just even during this time, but in life in general. And so what have you seen kind of bring us to how did how did you get here? How did you get into this industry? Talk us, talk to us, share you know, what your background is all about. So I have been in um, the construction industry since about 2006. Um, off and on, uh, I went to school. My undergrad program was in communications, public relations. Um, but every summer I came home and worked in the oil and gas industry, worked on different uh, divisions for the same company, um, and slowly got into safety. My, my dad was the safety manager for, or the, the safety vice president for the company, and he was a, he's a coal miner. He was, he's always been a coal miner. That's how I grew up was he was in the mines and in mine safety. He's a certified mine, mine uh, sorry, a mine Certified Mind Safety Professional, CMSP. And um, I saw him care about people. I saw him, you know, we'd hear him get up at two or three in the morning to go respond to a call because he was on call. Mm -hmm. And I saw his passion for people. And that's, um, even though my degree was in something different, I ended up gravitating towards what my dad did and I wanted to get into it. And um, so I think it was about almost eight years ago is when I... Well, maybe even yeah, eight or nine years ago is when I started getting into safety and him and I actually work for, with each other right now and, and he's been my mentor this whole time. So um, kind of just following my dad's footsteps. At first he was like, nope, you don't have a degree in safety. You don't have education yeah. in safety. I'm not going to pull you under my wing. <laughs> and then I got into it anyway. So he's oh, been, um, yeah. And That's so really working. That's really cool to hear the the first thing that you mentioned with him being in safety was not, oh, he was so good at regulations. He was so good at memorizing this. He was so knowledgeable in this. The first thing that came out of your mouth right now was I saw his passion for people. And that's really, really cool, you know, talking about what drives safety professionals or what I like to see drive safety professionals. I'm sure you, you share the same philosophy is does this person really care about me? You know, I'm sure right. that's what safety professionals, that's, that should be the driving force and, and mainly the boots on the ground. That's what they're looking for is yes. Are you experienced? And yes, do you have knowledge around safety? Yeah. But do you really care about what I'm doing? So that's awesome that your dad shared that passion. Yep. And we hear from our, you know, we hear from the ops team, from some of our leaders, you know, I'm not really safety minded, right? I'm operations yeah. minded. I'm thinking about the bottom line. I'm thinking about, and, and really, if you're safety minded, you're people minded. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because safety is synonymous with people. We don't talk about the health and safety of that piece of equipment or that facility. We talk about the health and safety of the individuals. And incident investigations involving property damage and, and whatnot, that's important. And those could have led to injuries and incidents. But really, health and safety is a very personal thing. We care about people. We want our people to go home safely. Mm -hmm. And so we want people to be, we want our leaders to be safety-minded. We want them to be people-minded. It, it's not safety culture. It's leadership culture. Yeah. Where did we Where did we fail them, right? Yeah, I, I 
if um, any listeners have listened to previous podcasts, even from the beginning, I've always, I've always echoed what you just said about it's not a safety culture. That isn't. I've never really understood. It's it's just a company culture. There's in my mind. There's not really okay. You know, we have our ops culture, then the safety culture, then the HR culture, then there's a then there's an office culture. It really, just is a leadership culture, like you mentioned, a company culture. What do we stand for here? What do we tolerate? What do what don't we tolerate? And so Who are I love we? that frame of mind. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So then that brings you to where you're at today. I mean, what is it? What is it that excites you? What is it that's driving you today? Um, I would say the same thing that was driving my dad. We want to see people go home, not just go home. Um, my, my good friend, Karen Salerno, um, she, her and I work in the suicide prevention, trying to raise awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, we don't want people to just go home safe at the end of the day. We want them to come back in the in better condition than they left we want them to come back the next morning and so getting into suicide and and mental health that's i mean we're we're really talking about and and this isn't my term i've I've read it on with the cdc and others total worker health we need to be mindful of of our assets because these people are our assets we're not working without them and so um, if, if it's on the business mindset and we're just thinking strategy, your best strategy is to care about your workers' total health. Yes. If you care yes. about that, you care about your company mm-hmm. and you're caring about them and their families. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're, we're looking at a, at a shift in, in leadership culture. We're going to see a big shift when it comes to total worker health. I completely agree with you. I think that these last couple years, you kind of are, you know, just barely starting to hear some buzzwords around mental health awareness in the workplace. What does that mean? What does it look like? What are some things to be aware of? I see some of those posts on LinkedIn or um, EHS magazines, but can you you know, from your experience, say that we have listeners that are in that they're safety professionals and they're like, OK, Rory, I, I agree. Total work, worker health that that interests me. Can you tell me more about that? And what can I do right now? Let's say that I'm just focusing on the regulations for my company. These last couple of years, I've just been trying to get this company into OSHA compliance and, you know, maybe a little bit beyond that. That's been my that's been my focus. But I like what you're saying about people and total worker health. So can you explain to us what that means to you and you know, what can we start doing about that? So we do talk a lot about safety. I don't think we talk about health much. And, and we do when we talk about, you know, um, industrial hygiene and dust and noise. And, and uh, but mental health is, is a huge deal for us because of the, the type of work that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, for me, talking about total worker health and, and being invested, there are no regulations regarding mental health. There's nothing that governs it. Um, It's a very sticky situation or a a touchy topic. Yeah. Um, And and I think that's why it still continues to be kind of taboo. Right. Um, We don't know how to talk about it. And and part of what we're trying to do is give people permission to talk about it Um, in the construction industry, in mining and oil and gas. These are male dominated industries. And we don't talk about our feelings. 
Um, right. We've been programmed not to. You know, we're a very stoic group, a very tough man type industry, mm-hmm. um, and and so that's one of the the main things of why nobody's talking about. You know, I can't talk about my feelings. I can't talk about what's going on deep. We experience the same thing in the military. Um, it's just don't talk about it. And, and there's a lot at risk there, right? If, if there's risk factors such as, you know, physical risk, obesity, you've got other mental health issues, and then you've got stressors in the, in the work site, you've got, you know, demanding jobs. And, and this, the risk for managers is a lot higher yeah. in, in the industry because they have to worry about quality. They have to worry about schedules. They have to worry about um, their, their employees. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's on the road. So you're not with your families, you're with the people that you work with all day. So a lot's against us right now. Yeah. And And, go ahead. Just, oh my gosh. I mean, everything you're mentioning is just the, the day-to-day stressors, right? That a supervisor or just anybody working in oil and gas, construction, mining, uh, industrial type of work is experiencing and it echoes a lot of what I've heard talking to construction leaders kind of in my area. I, I had a conversation with a gentleman um, like 30 plus years working in the construction industry, a great leader, and he was mentioning the stress and the what what is rooted in that stress is anger, right? What What is the end result of of the working schedule, the working conditions, um, the stress, this perfect uh, being on the road, like you just mentioned, are all these factors brewing into this perfect storm where there's now there's this stored anger and rage and no outlet and pressure from our society to, you know, be a man and to not talk about your feelings is like this perfect disaster for, um, you know, thinking that there's no end in sight. And they yep. were just talking about there's a lot of um, angst and anxiety and stress in the, in the workplace as a result of everything you just mentioned. And then I recently partnered with some uh, count, local counseling facilities, and they mentioned that the large bulk of their work, the, the large bulk of their um, people that they see day in and day out are blue collar workers. And they, they, they mentioned that they're, they're talking about stress and they're talking about anxiety. So tell us, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt well, you. Well, throw in some other stuff. We're just talking about in the workplace, right? Yeah. Not to yes. mention I'm taking care of my wife and three kids. Oh and yep. if I lose my benefits. So on that permission, like we want, we want to give people permission to talk about their feelings and talk about like I need a mental health day. But then they're afraid if I tell my boss that I'm not fully capable right now. Yeah. Is that going to affect my job? Yeah. The finances that are protecting my family and the insurance benefits and the medical benefits. Is that going to, I mean, is that at risk just because I'm opening up about, about where I'm at right now with my mental health? Um, that was brought up by, by one of my employees when I was talking about this, uh, an employee that works at the same company, um, chimed in and said, you know, we don't talk about it because there's no protection when it comes to, um, mental health. Makes sense. If I, if I make the, uh, give them the assumption that I'm not capable of the task because I'm not mentally all there, mm-hmm. now my finances are going to get worse. 
And so I think one one thing that we can do is hit this topic with HR. I know in Utah, um, they're hiring uh, the the uh, there's a group in Utah that's hiring a I think it's a clinical psychologist to help draft HR policies that they can give to companies to say, this is what you can and cannot do, or this is what you should and should not do. Because again, it is a very you know, personal thing. We don't want to overstep them. Yeah. Companies are like, what about the legal liability with somebody's mental health? Um, but we can, we can start looking at our benefits packages. We can put in place that nobody could get fired or terminated for saying that they need, you know, mental health resources. Um, so there's, that's where this movement is going to be is finding out that balance of how to provide for the employees that are working for us mm -hmm. in a practical manner and get them the real help that they need beyond the, you know, the emergency or sorry, the, the employee um, assistance programs, the EAPs and, and all that, which are beneficial, absolutely beneficial. Yeah. But you know, how many companies call up their EAP and say, Hey, if I was in crisis right now, how would this conversation go? Right. Could you help me if I was ready to take my life at this moment? What resources could you get me to? Because I want to know that, that that would work for my employees that are calling you in crisis, not just needing assistance with you know marital relations and other stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you're on to something. I mean, not I think. I know you're on to something. I know that this has been such a big topic in our industry, this total worker health and I, I love the, the practical steps that you just put forth in front of us. You know, what can we do about this? You just mentioned a lot for the listeners is, you know, number one, looking at starting with maybe your HR policies and seeing, do we have anything in place where we're at least providing resources during the onboarding, you know, not, and it doesn't just stop with onboarding, but continuous resources and education that you're giving your employees are we giving them tools are we giving them um safeguard protection that it allows employees to feel free hey if i if i'm feeling this if i'm experiencing this xyz and protected um this information is accepted here and i'm not at risk my job isn't at risk if i come forward with with my real feelings here. And so have you seen, I love your background so we can go in a different, you know, in different directions with the same category as you talked about um, this in the, in the army. Okay. What, what do you see? Do you see any parallels as far as are people becoming more, how do I put it? Are people feeling more comfortable coming forth with their feelings and what they're dealing with, the stressors, the emotions? Are they doing a better job at addressing uh, mental health than your average construction company? You know, I don't know. Um, there, and, and if you look at construction, there's a, there's a large group of veterans that go right into construction, oil and gas, yeah, mining, yes. because it's, you know, there's no easy transition from the military back into, you know, type that type of work or any type of work. You know, you got to have certificates and, and they've got some good transition programs. Mm -hmm. But I think that's why we see such a, a higher number in our industries, because construction is second only to oil and gas and mining. Um, in the suicide rate and, and this this right here just blows me away the reality in construction is that more workers die by suicide annually than all other occupational fatalities 
um, on job sites. For the listeners, like, oh my goodness. And does like it, this is this is huge. This is huge. Yeah, that and one thing that I love the thing that I love about the military is we've we've known this with with the military, right? We've had a high rate of suicide. Um, we lose twenty two to twenty five. Um, you know, you've you've heard the the twenty two uh, a day. Um, I think it's a day. We we lose a lot of soldiers, um, veterans because of suicide, because of PTSD and other, other factors. It's not just PTSD. Everybody, suicide's so diverse, mm-hmm. affects people differently. Um, but uh, we, we do resiliency. We're starting to focus on resiliency. Mm-hmm. You have master resilience trainers. Resiliency is in every, um, at least in the National Guard, we, we talk about resiliency monthly. Um, how do we build a resilient workforce mm-hmm. with our soldiers? And, and it goes into everything about our thoughts, you know, um, how, how do we have this activating thought that triggers this emotion and then how do we combat that? Right. And, yeah. and we see the, the models for that. Um, they talk about financial resiliency. A lot of this is education based. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember what they called it. The golden, um, I want to say it was like the golden trap, but, um, you, get into the industry oil and gas it's booming Mm -hmm. i have all this money now i'm gonna buy this camper i'm gonna buy these toys i'm gonna do all these vacations i'm gonna buy this big house and then what happens Boom. that boom no longer happens then we have the crash and then people are stuck in what they just paid for yeah it's Mm -hmm. that golden trap that i have all this stuff and then i can't afford to use all these fun things that i'm now just trying to pay for during the crash and so um how do we build resiliency with that how do we teach our workers how to manage their money one thing that uh, the owner of our company in a private conversation we had he said how do i get people to, to put their bonuses back into their 401k so that I can match that, right? right? How can I teach that more so that they understand they can do more with their bonus than just spend it? Mm-hmm. And that was that was a huge impact on me. Is like because I didn't consider that. Right, right. Um, but that was something that was on his mind, and so and what um, a great mindset to have. Um, what I liked about what you just mentioned there is the leader. You know, people on the leadership team of the company that you're with, they're forward thinking in a sense that. How can we strengthen the, the, the lives of our employees, not just inside the workplace, but outside the workplace by providing financial resources or financial literacy and more education to help make better decisions? Um, that's really, yeah. Wow. What a blessing. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, one thing on my mind was just with that kind of forward thinking, you know, it's clear that you're with a company that's innovative and they're, they're talking, they're opening the conversation and opening the door for these uh, more taboo subjects like mental health. And so what are some other things that you're seeing immerse into this, um, into the safety industry? Do you see more safety professionals adopting these programs? Do you see that it's a, it's a, a program in itself is like a policy, you know, how we have PPE policies, we have, you know, these recommended safe working practices. Are you seeing that with mental health or what, you know, what are you seeing? 
we're going to start seeing it. Um, the, the friend that I spoke about earlier, Karen, she called me up and said, we want to start a task force in Utah to raise awareness about suicide prevention in, um, in construction oh, wow. specific to our industry. And, um, that's the first time that I realized that there was a problem that she called me up and said, Hey, will you help me found this program? Uh, we call it spruce. It's suicide prevention resources for Utah construction employers. Oh, wow. And our, our, we're still in, pretty much in our infancy. We started in 2020 at the height of COVID when mm-hmm. there was, you know, uh, an increased risk of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, she gathered people from multiple construction companies. So competitors getting together to build this co-op to provide resources for Utah. And, um, I know that there's other States, I believe Washington or Oregon, um, Minnesota are starting these task forces Mm -hmm. to help understand what's going on Mm -hmm. and to help be a resource for the employers. And we just want to tell them what's going on. Uh, We want to partner with our States, with our governments to say, Hey, how do we get the word out there? Utah's doing a lot on this initiative. And, um, you know, what, what can we do? And we're discussing these options. Um, me and her, we ended up getting, uh, uh, trained to be instructors for vital cog. Um, and that's to train, uh, it's vital cog in construction. It's an hour and a half just to, to, if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I'm thinking about hurting myself. Mm-hmm. What do I do in that moment? I'm going to get them to a professional. I'm going to be with them. I'm going to be an ear for them. And so teaching those, those principles, um, because that, that's what happens. I either feel alone or I'm a burden on others okay. and that's going to lead to increased risk of suicide. So if I, if somebody opens up to me or I recognize those red flags, how do I get them from point A to, to point B? So one thing that my company is doing is we're teaching leadership classes to our foreman and our superintendents and safety is a big part of that. I have a full, almost a full day of teaching leadership principles. Okay. Um, we're going to teach all of our current foreman and superintendents in, in the first quarter. Every Friday I have new students and my first class is vital cog in construction oh to teach them that there is an issue with mental health and construction. And if you recognize these red flags or somebody comes to you, this is what you can do to get them the help that they need. Um, in our, in our toolbox talks, um, we, every fifth week of a month, um, typically each quarter, there's a fifth week. We are including a mental health topic. Um, suicide prevention, mental health and construction, um, drug and alcohol misuse. And then the last one is going to be resiliency. And so teaching that annually is going to be a big deal. Um, looking at our benefits, uh, there are things that you can do. In fact, if you go to, um, there's a link, uh, it is the construction industry Alliance for suicide prevention. Okay. Okay. And they have resources for employers. They have toolbox talks. They have um, ways to get informed. They've got training. They've got prevention tools. They want to build awareness. They have a pledge to stand up. Um, that is an excellent resource if a, if a company wants to get started to incorporate mental health into their daily conversation. Again, we want to we want to give people permission, right? to, to talk about this. Um, I got back from a, uh, a conference, a risk conference in which suicide prevention was one of the topics. Mm-hmm. And I had presented at that meeting too. And I came back to the senior leadership meeting to t- tell them how it went. And, 
Um, they had already heard my presentation before. They didn't want to hear about that. The CEO said, I want to hear about the suicide prevention topic. And so I explained what was taught. I explained some of the things we've talked about today. I explained some of our initiatives. Um, and he, he said, this is a big deal to me. Is this really a big problem in our industry? And I said, yeah, in 2009, I almost took my life and somebody intervened. And I, I find myself in this group of all my senior leaders telling them this is real and this is real to me and this happens to other people. And if somebody didn't intervene when they did, I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. 13 years I've been here. I would have missed that whole 13 years. So, um, I wouldn't have a life. I wouldn't have my kids. Like none of that would have happened if somebody didn't call me when they called me. Wow. And so, yeah, I saw them want to get involved and we're just looking at starting points in our EHS plans. We're now putting not just where's the nearest hospital, where's the nearest police department, where's the nearest AA meetings, where's the nearest you know, NA meetings, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. How do we get them those resources? Yeah. We add the, the uh, suicide hotline numbers. We're pro- providing more resources for our employees that's visible to them that they can have access to these things. Mm-hmm. First of all, I mean, I just I want to thank you for for sharing as much as you have, both personally, professionally, and to speak so vulnerably shows so much strength, um, so much courage. And so I just want to thank you and honor you for that worry. I really appreciate that. And and for all the listeners, I don't think we've ever had a podcast where a guest has shared this many resources. I'm, even though I'm going to obviously play this back, this episode back several times so I can listen, I'm even wanting to take away notes right now live. And that's why I'm jotting down notes here because Rory, you've, you've, you shared so many resources that that's what makes a podcast or, you know, a, a, a video, whatever it is. That's what makes a piece of content so valuable is when I can listen to something and, and then take action right away. And what I heard you heard you just mention, there are so many practical things that every listener can start implementing in their workplace today, whether you're the owner, whether you're in leadership, whether you're in safety, whether um, you're, you're working at a company, you can bring these suggestions forward to the company, to the leadership team. But um, I want to recap some of the things that you just mentioned because they're, they're so good is if anybody is wanting to take this next step and is looking to improve their workplace, go to the next level, work their workplace at their workplace and encompass this total worker health movement. Some of the things that you could start doing today is I love what you first just mentioned, leadership training. So it's that awareness. And that's it was so exciting to hear you talk about that. You're training continuously, your leaders, your supervisors, your frontline workers there about this awareness piece. What? Because that is those supervisors and managers there that's key right that's your that's your way into the field what's going on and they're the ones that have eyes and ears out there every single day and so training them on what to look out for what to do how to intervene as you mentioned is so powerful somebody didn't intervene at this point um sorry about the background you might hear a train here go through it sounds like it's going through my office but um (laughs) i think that that's 
key. And then toolbox topics, guys, your boots on the ground, they are pretty sick and tired of hearing bloodborne pathogens and PPE and, uh, you know, all the above, hot weather, cold weather, stress. Those are all equally as important. But throwing in a mix into your toolbox topics of mental health awareness, suicide awareness, um, what again going back to that those recognition tools that's what that's what's going to be communicated in this leadership training toolbox talks that's amazing and then resources how many of you have put together emergency action plans where we're listing the nearest medical facility what about another emergency what about resources like aa what about re- local rehab centers um uh places for counseling so that is oh my gosh i'm just exploding over here with excitement because these are some real tools. And I think if we can think about it in in this crisis, like we're focusing on crisis right now, right? How to get somebody in crisis to, to a professional. Um, and, and we don't have to be the professional. We just have to care enough to get them. There's like, you know, mental health first aid. And, and there are, there's mental health first aid. There's wow. uh, QRP, there's vital cog and construction. There's multiple um, resources to teach to our, our employees, to our leadership, but that's who we are. We're mental health first aid providers. We're taking them to the next to person so that they can get some help. Um, so crisis maintenance, right? Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, therapy, that therapist that somebody got me to, um, how do I maintain right after crisis and and get back to where I'm I'm at? And then resiliency. And I think we're going to see that shift into resiliency a lot more if we can really focus on resiliency and build that resilient workforce. And I know that, that the leaders that are, are giving us, you know, a vital cog in construction, they're working on those types of steps. That's going to be our saving grace. That's the preventative measure right there. Right. Um, and I, I know that's part of our leadership course is the resiliency piece. If we can get, you know, clinical people in our, in our, uh, workforce helping us out with this stuff. Yes. How do we incorporate resiliency into our toolbox talk mm-hmm. so that this doesn't become an issue? Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see the shift towards that. And, and I think that's huge. And, and you can speak on this because I can already imagine, I can already imagine uh, your perspective here, but having this background, this awareness um, and experience working with suicide prevention uh, teams and programs. Then you also have your experience in in health and safety, and so I'm sure you would agree that 99.9 percent of incidents that you've ever worked on, incident investigations, the response has been, "Hey, I knew what I was doing was wrong. I took a shortcut. I've done this a million times." And you know, to be honest with you, my my frame of thought wasn't there. I wasn't really thinking I was rushing or I was preoccupied. I was stressed. I was, that has been my experience. Root cause, um, you know, has really been down to that person's mental, you know, mental health or, or just awareness during the time of the incident. Mm-hmm. Is that your experience too? Or do you oh yeah. We even that? asked those questions in some of our incident investigations, right? Yeah. Where was your mind? Were you thinking about something other than the task that was going on? Is everything okay at home? Yeah. Um, and 
you know, were you thinking about, you know, getting back at someone? Where, where was your mind? Right. So those questions are even incorporated into our investigations Beautiful. because of that human behavior. Right. That's the, the wild card in construction yeah. is yeah. We, we've engineered, we've designed, we've policied everything so that it can be safe. Yeah. But then you still have that human behavior element that you have really have no control over. Right. But if we can recognize signs and symptoms of something greater going on with that employee, can we reduce those injuries in the field because we've, we're caring about that person's mental health? Oh my gosh, That's Rory. huge. Um, yeah. How do we teach them to recognize the red flags, the mm -hmm. signs and symptoms of something greater to where they're not focused, to where other people are at risk? We had, a, um, I've had employees that have put themselves at risk. They were in a line of fire and said, you know, Maybe I'll join my loved one that passed away. Like they were, they were hurting. And, um, you know, we, we reached out and said, Hey, we don't need that. We need to get you some help. And that person's thriving right now. Um, or at least I hope they are. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, you carry somebody's loss with you forever. Um, but I, they're in a better place than when they, they were before. Since opening up about my experience and, and, and being more involved in suicide prevention, there's been four major experiences I've been involved with. Mm -hmm just within my own company with people that needed somebody to talk to wow. that needed to go beyond to, to somebody professional. And wow. we were able to give them the EAP. We were able to be a, a shoulder to lean on. Um, so yes, it's, it's real. It's not just statistics that are being thrown out. I have experience now seeing this happen. Um, wow. and so I, I, I don't know, I can't speak, um, too much of, of the, the vital nature of, of this topic. Absolutely. I think that is the perfect note to end on how you just tied everything you went full circle with, uh, with our conversation today is going back to why, why is all this important? Why should safety professionals care and should, why should we start taking steps today um, towards strengthening and the awareness of mental health issues in the workplace. And you just touched on all those points right there is number one, this is real life. This is real life for a lot of people and more people than you can ever imagine. And if you haven't experienced something like this personally, then the flip side is being there for somebody else who needs you. And we have the opportunity to work around our workforce, the company that we're um, exposed to every day. And we have an opportunity to make a difference, to be there for somebody, to recognize, hey, something's not right with so-and-so. Maybe I should Maybe I should intervene. Maybe I should say something. How do I how do I do that? And so how we do that are all the tools and resources that you just mentioned here. Strengthening leadership training, talking about um, these delicate subjects during toolbox topics. So that way it doesn't become a delicate topic. It becomes more of a casual. Yeah, when we're at work, this is what we talk about. This is something that's normal. Just, um, you know, that's really exciting it's, and some, something to work towards this year. And then that resiliency piece, that is so beautiful. You know, how can we teach resiliency in the workforce um, to tie it all together? So Rory, I, 
I want to thank you for your time, but I want to thank you for, again, um, being so vulnerable and showing your strength through talking about your experiences. And um, I, I lost my brother um, a few years ago to a drug overdose. And so this, this conversation rings so true to my heart as well that there's so many people that are struggling so deep that we could never imagine fighting battles and demons that we could never imagine. And maybe you can, maybe you have been there, but the intervention piece is something that if you don't step up, if you don't, if you don't make a difference and do something about maybe a situation that you're witnessing, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. And, um, so I just, I want to thank you again for, for sharing everything today. And I'd love to talk about this even further, you know, later on this year, we could talk about some, some other programs that you've implemented and then, um, how that's, how that's gone about towards the end of the year. I'd love to circle back on this conversation because it's so important. Well, I want to say thank you, um, one for the platform to help you know, raise this, this awareness. Um, but I also want to say my condolences. I, you know, I lost my sister when I was 13 and, uh, drinking and driving. Yeah. And so, um, I, I feel for you, um, you know, loss is hard and that's what we're trying to prevent, right? Further yeah. loss yeah. by yeah. help giving people that permission. So again, thank you for the platform. Thank you also for being vulnerable. Uh, this is how we combat this is that we make it a discussion. We normalize the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll link some other resources. Um, listeners, not only are we going to have uh, contact information uh, for Rory, if you have any follow-up questions for him, if you um, if you want to just learn more about what he's talking about, we'll ask Rory for some resources that will connect uh, down below listening in, in on the podcast too. Um, so some first steps for you if you're interested, but thank you for listening and uh, tune in next time. Thank you.